I do want to pitch to Ritter. Evan's already heard this. Mm-hmm. We coin a new term for the pod. Schmoop. Schmoop. What does schmoop, schmoop entail? It's kind of a universal term. It, you know, it's kind of a catch-all term. Schmoop is kind of like... Poo-poo. Poo-poo. Kind of a fucking loser. Mm-hmm. Kind of lame. Uh, pepper it in. See what pepper happens. Pepper it in. Yeah. Yeah, like you think you're talking about a card and you're like... Schmoop. It's fucking schmoop of the week. You can't make fetch happen. Welcome to Mock Stars, number one podcast on the internet. Here we fucking go. Here we fucking go. That was Jordan Garcia, one of my co-hosts, along with Evan Kunai. What's up? I'm Chris Ritter. I'm back. Uh, my levels are super high. Wow, that's wow. You are you are super off, high off dude. the yeah, charts I can today, see it pal. On your face. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I, am I am. Wow. Wow. Uh, this is You're good. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, that was interrupted, but check out our link tree below. That was a smooth transition, actually. We're just going for it. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, rate us five stars on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, anything. Interact with us on YouTube. Let's just get into it. We're in it, dude. We are in the middle of it. Uh, I think hot off the bat, we're going to talk about the latest Secret Lair Spring 2023 Super Drop. Finally, some decent cards worth considering for purchase. As like the last four, I just felt like, pass, if I can check down, I'm good. Considering purchased. Considering purchased. Yeah. Ritter's already checked out. I have not considered purchasing a Secret Lair in probably a year. And this mm-hmm. one now screams, I absolutely have to purchase this. Same. What do you have your eyes on? Uh, the Grand Abolisher and oh, Umazawajite sure. uh, set. That like that drop alone, for me, is like worth it. We've been waiting for... Randy Vargas. Yeah, yeah, the Randy Vargas drop. We've been looking for a Grand Abolisher reprint for how long, right? right? It's just been sitting there, like, slowly climbing. And when we started getting to the competitive scene, I remember it started at $20. And I was We like, never wanted to buy it. I was like, yeah. I yeah. don't want to spend $20 on this fucking card. And then I finally, like, we finally went to tournament. We finally went to it's competition. It's a mandatory card. If, it is. Yeah. Unfortunately, 100%. it is. And I spent $40 cash on it instead because I hesitated. Did you pick up a foil or non-foil? A non-foil. Non- for yeah, $40. Foil. Yeah, uh, guess see. what? It's not that price anymore. It's actually dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Feels really good. Feels great. Let me tell God. you about the Mana Vault I bought. I just wanted to, uh, while we're talking about this, quick look up the price of the foil, because it has had a few printings, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, but not recently. No, not since there's like only 2012, th- yeah, right? only a few. Magic 2012 foil printing for it, this thing. Yeah, that's the only foil, right? I believe so. Don't quote me on that. Market price, 147 So yeah. Yeah. getting a freaking foil Printing right now, good pickup for sure. Plus, yeah. Umazawa's Jit. Like, that's the first alternative, well, second alternative art, excluding like judge promos, I think. And that one's right. super expensive as well. Yeah. And only foil, really, outside at a normal price range again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely that one. Any Anything else you're looking at, Evan? The Thassa's Oracle drop. Well, that's the With, other one I got. Yeah. yeah Thassa's Deep Dwelling, or like Thassa Deep Dwelling. Cool too. Ocean Breeze, totally. I believe it's, yeah. it's called. Yeah. I love that. The art on the set is amazing. And I've also been working on kind of getting my whole like Wincon package like flexed out and i just got like um like the sweet tainted pact and everything mm-hmm. i already have the thoracal but which tainted pact are you talking about i love the good question i love that uh that japanese mystical archive one i, I think it's so oh, so, yeah. so hell yeah so, i yeah. think that's the primo one yeah yeah right um so i was just kind of getting the whole package done and i have the borderless foil thoracal but picking up this new one i think it's just gonna be sick cool. and you picked up the uh secret lair uh demonic consultation right? i have it yeah, that in my sweet. cart right now. I'm about to check out and yeah. get it. That is one of the ones 
because I haven't been really buying any secret layers like I've uh, said. Cozen Dan. Yeah, but that is the one I'm going back and I'm making sure I scoop that before it gets expensive because that's the only one in my set that I have that is just like the boring non-foil print. Mm -hmm. God, you're Ritter. Your memory on these, on the names and the artists of these secret layers is just how checked out we've been here. Yeah, it's unreal. Tuned in. You guys, well, you guys are naming the ones that I bought. Yeah. So. You got the best one? Yeah. You got yeah. good taste. Yeah, I... Like the like yeah honestly the I I was thinking that the Thassa's Oracle dropped the cool sea breeze is that what it's called uh cool ocean breeze yeah cool ocean breeze that one I saw the Thassa's Oracle and I was like immediate buy yep. I didn't mm -hmm. think there was anything of value like I mean the, and I thought the, I Thassa's, saw the Thassa Thassa deep dwelling is playable yeah uh, in the right uh, strategies yeah. I, I believe Jordan you play that with agent of treachery and uh, displace yeah. your kid and stuff. Yeah, does yes, stuff? he does. It's very <laughs> annoying. And like, as soon as it hits the board, like when it hit the board the last week, it was just, yeah, we got to disrupt this somehow and because the Thassa's not going anywhere. I mean, yeah, it's a conjurer's closet with indestructible written on it. It's pretty fucking great. Yeah, the gods are uh, a lot of, the original cycle of gods, a lot of them are real good static effects. Real good. Yeah. Yep. So overall, this whole drop, there are a few that just did not hit the mark for me. There's the the one with Yeva uh, that I was like considering. Yeah, pretty much that, the two you guys named. Those two sets I'm interested in and everything else. Uh, Rebecca Guay? Guay? Oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah, not the same that set, yeah, right? She, no, she, no, that's uh, she has Stoneforge Mystic, um, right. Muddle the Mixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget what, what the other two items in that are. Obviously, maybe we love some sort of like Sarah, I think Sarah Ascendant maybe or... Not Sarah Ascendant, something of that nature. Uh, but those are the two big cards. In we love own. Rebecca Gway around here. Yeah, and that Muddle the Mixture is a super cool uh, alternative art, as is the Stoneforge Mystic. Uh, on the verge of viable for me. I'm and still considering that one. There is a secret layer drop from a listener of the show. Elena Danner did a uh, one of these uh, Ooh, drops. Oh, no way. Shout oh, out Elena Danner. Set? Let's go through this real quick. I had no yeah. idea. Elena Danner did... Limvala, Keeper of Silence. Oh, snap. Sunblast Angel, Ameria the Sky Ruin, and Seraph Sanctuary. Oh, yeah, that one that one is legit Whoa. super considerable as well. Yeah, so the thing is that both of them, are like, so there's four cards. She created two panoramas out of uh, out of the four cards. Oh, so like side-by-side side vibe? Yep, so Sunblast Angel and Limvala are a panorama, and then Ameria the Sky Ruin and Seraph Sanctuary are also a panorama. Wow. Yeah, definitely a very sick drop, like, across the board. I think that's, like, Dang. her strength as an artist is, like, seeing those, like, panorama like, oh, pieces man. that she's mm -hmm. put together over Her the years. work, like, once you see it actually, like, blown up and, like, full size, it's crazy how much detail it gets put into these things that just completely gets lost. Once you like, you know, you put it in like a two by two little square. I will say Randy Vargas really, really is competing with the original art of Grand Abolisher as like the best art because this aura that he's got around like the Grand Abolisher here is just nasty. It's awesome. And it like speaks to the power of the card. Mm -hmm. But also the armor and the fucking mace that the original like is holding is just way more vicious. It's very intimidating. Makes you not want to play spells on your opponent's turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone was sort of like uh, indifferent about the Rebecca Guay one. Um, like it's the, not the most know, playable cards. She I, has, I feel like the vibe of the art on there does not necessarily fit uh, some a couple of the cards. Right, she has evolved as an artist. Mm -hmm. Right, she stepped away from magic for years to work on what how to like present herself as an artist mm -hmm. in her own way yeah because so, she's like, like an og like mm -hmm. yeah there's like particular cards um there's one from an unset that's like 
uh not like it's sort of like in the same realm as like skewer the critics but it's like uh critic of the artist or whatever like that and it's like name a non-rebecca guy uh card and uh, look through your opponent's library in hand and discard those cards and you nice. could just because she's just like the best magic artist to date at that point so like these cards like Sarah the Benevolent uh, great reprint and like yeah the not mad at the Linvala for sure yeah the Stoneforge Magic Mystic here like I think this might be the best artwork for a Stoneforge Mystic yet yeah it's it's super pretty I never feel bad picking up a Stoneforge Mystic especially in any kind of fancy version foil mm-hmm. or whatever it never feels bad to have one in the collection uh, the funniest thing about it is the Muddle to Mixture Muddle to Mixture is a highly anticipated <clears throat> reprint we've wanted one for a long time and especially one in foil and then she makes this art and it says my guai on the on the artwork. Really? Yeah, like it's a like Whoa. somebody laying down and in the in the speech bubble it says my guai. Damn. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I did zero preparation for the secret layer talk. I haven't seen most. Oh of these. my god, it's that one's super, pretty cool. Yeah, it's like this. It's like this very tongue in cheek, sexy representation because the flavor text also says whatever you desire to muddle or mix. I'm your fix. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Definitely a vibe. I will oh, say it's God. been an internal struggle for myself, but uh, I have used to love Muddle the Mixture, and I just never played anymore because I play black, and I just can't justify... I mean, black has so many tutors that, yeah. that are literally just pay pay some life and put the card in your hand. Correct. I can't justify Which is better that. than, you know, the hoops you have to jump through. It's great. It's not counterable, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and it doesn't count as casting a spell and rule of all metas. It is has its room, but I just find I cut it more and more. Yeah, I, I played in mono blue. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anything that honestly doesn't have black and has blue, I would consider playing it for sure. Mm. But I just find that I just don't have room for it these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so outside of these artist series, there are a few showcase series from the March of the Machine. Uh, there's only one that's really worth talking about. There are a few that are like, if they are your pet cards, you should go out and buy them, like the Walking Ballista or the World Tree. Ooh, that's right. There's that Walking Ballista that has the masterpiece right. Uh, frame. Right. But on the other side, there's this one, the March of the Machine Volume 3, that has uh, Mister uh, Misdirection, Utvara Hellkite, Kogla, the Titan Ape, Nyxbloom Ancient, and Joyra Weatherlight Captain. I think that is probably the one with the best value. And they're all Halo foil. Nice. Yeah, that Nyxbloom. That Nyxbloom keeps getting expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's a powerful effect, I guess. Pretty powerful effect. It's one of the only few effects in green that has remained prevalent right. lately. <laughs> that's, that's You know, green is an <laughs> awful color, but that, that effect is still strong. Yeah, the Mocking Ballista might be good, especially in Halo Foil. That actually seems pretty legit. Yeah, I did just pick up, uh, and this is something I was going to shout out, my my new cops. I was going to see if you guys have picked up anything recently, but I did get a new Ragavan, the new masterpiece. Okay. Ragavan. Very nice. I, I don't want to say I, it's man. Like the the foiling, don't expect like, you know, old masterpiece foiling and stuff like that. It's nothing like that, mm-hmm. but it looks cool. It was the early days. They were still testing foiling and stuff like that on Masterpiece. And they've never been that good ever since. Nope. Nope. Never that good. Cut costs. Uh, You guys pick up anything before we move on? Any new cops? Whoo! 
Nope, I let my pre-orders expire, actually. (laughs) So uh, Card Kingdom offers this really great service where you can pre-order cards, pay for them, and then if you live in the state of Washington, you can just go pick them up in person. But if you don't pick them up in two weeks, they just refund your order. So if you place an order for the cards and they go down in price, you can just... What cards did you let die on the vine? I really wanted the Luris... Alt art foils because uh-huh. they're less or they were two dollars a piece. We were looking at all the companions. Yeah, those like new yeah. fun arts on the companions. Yeah, I pulled a, a Lutri, which is banned nice. in relevant formats. <laughs> right, they're all like five cents right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think <laughs> that insane. like the Halo foils, really the ones where people are, if you're a collector and you're really going to go for it, that's the, that's the way to be. Uh, and then I also let a Gigantha die on the vine. Mm. Yep. So I did the same thing, by the way. Oh, you didn't go all pick- my Zertas and Giganthas and Larises. Nope. Yep, I went to pick them up uh, one day past the two week like barrier, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Yeah, it's it's we just canceled it this morning." So you know, it's funny you mentioned that I instead of picking something up, I recently canceled the March of the Machines Aftermath bundle. Oh yeah, after seeing the oh my <laughs> god, after you saw the spoilers, yeah, yeah I, I guess like, we have that uh, to talk about. Uh, yeah, I don't feel like opening these packs. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I mean, just let Wizards hear that and fully justify their actions. There it is, because (laughs) that kind of leads into another topic. Wizards of the Coast hiring Pinkerton to uh, sort of intimidate the, the leaker of that set. Because it probably cost them a lot of sales, just like... Uh, I mean, no, it wasn't that. I mean, it's because the set is kind of trash. Yeah. Right, right. But you wouldn't have known how trash it was. True. Until, and that's what they don't like. Until yeah. tomorrow, May 2nd, when they reveal it all anyway, and you would Correct. cancel the order then. Yeah. Yeah. It's Fair like, enough. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they, uh, that, yeah. So they hired Pinkerton, which, if you're unaware, is a company that has been known for union busting. It's a private security. The, the leading for, brand in uh, yes. smashing faces yeah. for yep. corporations. And this isn't the first time that Wizards of the Coast has hired them, which speaks levels about how they view unionizing, which is kind of... Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Not great. Not a great feeling. So Wizards of the Coast will still take your sponsorship, but you should probably not hire Pinkerton again. (laughs) (laughs) We are very flexible both ways. We have hard morals that we will hold against you, and uh, if you want to pay our... You know our salaries. That's great too. Yeah, yeah they have agents that. on the way right now to confiscate. <laughs> yeah, right. So we will also delete this episode if you really want us to sponsor us. Maybe. No. Never mind. Principles. Yeah. So we're just kind of talking about lots of uh, like kind of wizards news. We got one thing we rolled over a few weeks ago was the uh, addition of uh, a new format. We have Oathbreaker now fully recognized. I'm sure just sl- a slew of products down the print line right now coming our direction yeah yeah so that uh we just had the conversation a little bit today about mark rosewater speaking on commander saying that if they didn't create product that commander would be like wouldn't be where it is today and they didn't recognize or they recognized commander and then they started making product for it and so we're seeing that same pattern with Oathbreaker right now they just recognize it as a format so that yeah the guess is down the pipeline you're now going to see pre-constructed decks probably Right, like yeah, be the next yeah, why step, not? Yeah. Or, or like a and set followed by a master set or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if it gets popular, yeah. I mean, Both I don't know legends. how would the no. I guess you're right. The master set would have different content than the uh, EDH card pool. So yeah, and I guess Oathbreaker is something we've been getting into too. Like we have all communicated to our pod that we want to 
build decks and sit down. So we're just, oh yeah, we've been chatting about deck ideas for the last few weeks. Yeah, we're just gonna straight gas it up. Mm-hmm. Ritter, what what deck are you trying to build? Uh, I was messing around with uh, Kaya Orzov Usurper. Uh, oh, the big one. Yeah. Like, like, well, no, no, no. Uh, three mana, three CM. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Creature plus, token. Yeah, well, no, nope. Also oh, no. wrong. Should we keep guessing wrong guesses? Yeah, or just should. let you. Keep, let's go. The, all right, let's go. <laughs> She's green. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, plus one to exile a one CMC or less permanent. Uh, minus two. No, no, no. Plus one to exile two two cards from target player's graveyard. If one of them was a creature, you gain two life. Uh, minus two to do the exile one CMC or less thing, and then minus five to uh, deal damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. And then pairing that with uh, Council's Judgment as the signature spell. Spicy. um, So exiling up to three opponent's cards at that time. Um, And then also having just pulling on the efficient Orzov suite of... uh, exile to remove permanent spells totally so you're just exiling everybody's shit and then making them pay for yeah it. just just playing hard or of control love it yeah very much your style mm-hmm. i think there's something really cool about the whole oathbreaker format that really kind of lets you dive into a style and really hone in what you want to accomplish right you can pick a planeswalker that focuses in many different directions and then you also on top of that get to pick your spell mm-hmm. i think it's very cool yeah and and that is the planeswalker i've always wanted to play it was never quite powerful enough for modern um tried to slot into smallpox as a one-of in modern for a while and didn't quite go off um and never really had a home in pioneer like it didn't fit in doom foretold which would be the natural home for it um and so it's a planeswalker I've always wanted to play. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think this is the right shell for it. And that's a great thing about new formats, too, is yeah. like it gives us a reason to play cards that we wouldn't normally. And that's why Commander got super popular. Mm-hmm. And Evan, you know. didn't, didn't you pick a super underrated uh, planeswalker? Just super casual. No one's heard of it. Super casual. Um, very incredibly good planeswalker. Ren and Six. Mm. Two mana. Have you guys heard of that one? Uh, no. What does that one I've heard do? of Ren and Seven. Yeah. Uh, well, here, let me look it up real quick. Uh, I've heard of Ren and Realmbreaker. Is it <laughs> like that? It's uh, Is this a newer card? Uh, you know what? I, I think it's really old. It's uh, green and a red. Planeswalker. Seems like a good card. Plus so one. far, it's great. Uh, return up to one target land from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, minus one, red and six deals one damage to any target. Mm-hmm. Minus seven, you get an emblem with incident sorcery cards in your graveyard have retrace. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with retrace, it is you can cast uh, you can cast spells or you can cast incidents and sorcery cards from your graveyard if you discard a land card first. Wow, I didn't realize it's just jumpstart, but specifically just, for lands. Yep, yeah. There's a few cards that are really good with it, um, but. Yeah, it's uh comes to it starts with three loyalty. But the card I'm pairing with it is crop rotation. Uh, yeah. Woo! Synergistic. Is this right like there. a Merit Lodge Vesuva kind of deck? Oh, 100 percent That's Fuck exactly yes. what it is. Fuck because yes, bro. on turn three, I want to punch somebody for 20 and end it. Yes, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's literally the only thing that I'm gonna go for in the whole thing. I'll have a few ways to recur the dark depths so I can keep you know, if someone mm-hmm. happens to get rid of Merit Lodge or stifles me or stops me in some way, then I will be able to recover. Is there a world where you can put Valica in the same deck? Yeah, yeah, I could definitely do that. Like, I, I might as well. Because like you already have the Vesuva, so mm-hmm. doubling Valica seems Gucci. You could play uh, with the three drop, try to the Legion Grove, makes everything a mountain. Let me just check and see, because Valica 
is a legendary land, I believe, and Vesuva doesn't just like Vesuva doesn't take away the legendary clause, does it? Uh, I don't think it's a legendary land. No, I mean, you can still do land? like thespian. It is not a legendary land because and... I've seen people wow. copy it before, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, every every mountain counts for six damage. Yeah, that seems s- pretty sick in a twenty sick. life format. Yep. I mean, yeah. Is it twenty there life or thirty go. life in Oathbreaker? Twenty. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I love Lodge that too. Great. Like, I really quick. think like That's these games are going to be format. like yeah. much faster than EDH. Even though the the gameplay is going to present itself kind of similarly, I do think the games are going to be a lot faster. Yeah, this is like one thing where we talked about how easy it is to sort of like break this, and that was like as soon as I heard Ren and Six and Crap Rotation, I was like, oh wow, that's that's pretty busted. Obviously, yeah. the mm-hmm. whole Merit Lodge, like Dark Depths, is not banned. So, uh, like obviously they've banned some fast mana, but they didn't ban all of the fast. That mana. was so funny yeah. reading through like their whole like philosophy plus ban list and like why they wanted to do it that way and they're like but you left mox diamond chrome mox like you left a lot on the table still here yeah i think what it does is there is that uh there there is that like demographic that doesn't want to play commander because of how slow and arduous and social it can be and now you have this format which resembles modern in a way and in its clock and its uh strategy so now you can just play like play modern but a multiplayer format is essentially Mm -hmm. the speed yeah i'm really excited to see how that ends up like maybe having a a gameplay style of its own as we start getting into it you know because there's a lot of like we all have different roots and how we got into the game right and so now we're we're more focused into edh because it allows us to like connect with our play group and our the people we love and it, I would be very interested to see where what the roots are of the people who are playing uh, Oathbreaker. If like they came from Legacy or Vintage or came mm-hmm. from Modern or or did they just get into Oathbreaker right away? That that's how they're I playing. have to imagine a lot of like EDH people like transition over just or like want, are curious at least because it's such a similar concept. Yeah, and their story of like the transition to Oathbreaker mm-hmm. as their primary format. I just don't I don't know if it's really going to take over and tear people uh away from edh as their new primary format but i've been you know I've been i just before. yeah we haven't it's seen definitely it happen a parallel yet. format we got to give it a yeah. time to breathe because like yeah i don't think it's anybody's primary format yet like, right same with pioneer you know i think that's it could be a like a, a good comparison is that pioneer has been around now for two three years i don't know uh, but also formats have a long lifespan in, totally. in magic so mm-hmm. you know Pioneer tournaments are popping off all the time. I mean, that's the best thing about Magic in general is you can play the game how many different ways? A yeah. lot of different ways. And so, consistently. At least two. Constantly new ways, too. <laughs> we're like, really? We're, play, we're building Oathbreaker decks. We're building a new Dan Dan deck. Like, there's just constantly new ways to play this game. And I think that's part of what's so great about it. Yeah. If you haven't heard of the Dan Dan format, you got to check it out. Look it up. I'm not going to tell you about it. Yeah. Uh, sheesh. Well, I didn't oh. say the the commander or the Oathbreaker oh, yeah. deck I was looking yeah. at. There we mm-hmm. go. Um, I I don't know. I've just been chewing on mono black lately, and I think there's a lot of good stuff going on these days. I really want to see if uh Professor Onyx plus Chain of Smog. Will, I mean, that's it's eight CMC to pull off. It is eight CMC to pull off. You're 100 percent right. But it's everything you need out of your deck and in the command zone. It's so, also super super fragile. It is also super fragile. You're not wrong. But it's mono black. And I can get eight black mana very, very easily. Very true. Yeah, there's... I mean, w- for a long time, it was like uh, when Rebel Sun made uh, Gigantha, like Gigantha Companion with Sisei Weatherlight Captain in 
uh yeah in cdh that was like a meta warper for a second there even mm-hmm. though it is an incredibly fragile like glass cannon type strategy but you had to get to 11 mana and they were doing it by turn two or three which was just insane to me yeah these are still so, fast formats and uh it is five color of course but i feel like black is probably the the greediest in rituals or at least exactly. the best rituals for it mm-hmm. notably dark ritual is not is banned is banned in Oathbreaker, so I can't use that. But, but you still have like calling the weak sacrifice, right? Uh, Phyrexian Tower. What's the threshold one? Uh, Cabal Ritual. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, and there's also the new Broodlord. What is this guy fucking called? Hoarding Broodlord. Thank you, Hoarding Broodlord. This new dragon. People are really hot on that. Plus, saw in half. I am very hot on it. That plus saw in half as well because. You get the uh, Sawn Half, you go get yourself a Sacrifice, it can cast a Sacrifice, all of a sudden you have 8 black mana, I don't know, that's roughly the exact same amount of mana to cast my Commander plus Chain of Smog. So, Woo. yeah, Woo. I think there's something there. Uh, there's something there. Can't wait to see it. It just depends if you can survive a Merit Lodge punch to the face. Right. I'll have to, yeah. yeah, I just have to go faster <laughs> than you. <laughs> At 2 mana, it's going to be fucking tough. No, we've been uh, we've been we've been diversifying ourselves here at the Mock Stars podcast. Like at least getting out and like looking at new cards and trying to like change the way we think about them. Yeah, um, there's lots of. Oh, go on, sorry. No, no, you're good. You get, okay. you want to say? I was just gonna say there's lots of entertaining ways to play the game, mm-hmm. but are there entertaining ways to watch the game? Right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many content creators out there now. Like I, I find myself watching CGB more and more. Uh, he's uh, just the, to watch his brain work mm-hmm. uh, on some of these like standard decks allows me to enjoy the game and mm-hmm. enjoy a format that I otherwise wouldn't play or watch. So, yeah, I just uh, I'm excited in, in moving forward right now because I'm trying to dive deeper into the game. I want to commit more of myself to the game. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you guys will join me. <laughs> no. Join you? Yeah. And playing the game of magic? Yeah. I would never. I would never. No. no. Absolutely not. Oh, we've all also been looking at... Um, now, this is not magic content. This is actually a little bit of a sidestep, like, uh, but in the same realm, we've been looking at playing different card games. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that what magic does the best is it teaches you concepts mm-hmm. like in card games uh, that you can relate to other things. And uh, honestly, magic is the original. So a lot of these card games that are developed now take a lot of those same concepts and then apply them in different ways to their card game. So you can understand them. And it's like, uh, you know, you're speaking Spanish in Mexico versus speaking Spanish in Spain. Mm-hmm. Like you can still understand some of it and it just translates a little bit easier because um, you have the base language down. Yeah, I think it's similar to like us playing new formats and kind of like stretches our brain playing new card games, you know, kind of just gives you new perspectives always. So it lets us like grow. We're trying out this new uh, semi-new format called Battle Spirits, Battle Spirits Saga, Battle Saga Spirits. Those three words in some order. Jordan bought the precons. I bought the precons. Okay, so we're pre- gonna do it. So actually, I found out this is actually a game that's existed in Japan for a very long time okay. uh, to quite success, but it's been officially launched in English uh, with lots of tournament support. Like they're coming out swinging. What's the vibe of this game? Very much Digimon v- meets Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> million dollar prize pool is what the the vibe is. Okay. Um. Yeah. Million dollar tournament structure prize pool for you know. I think they're trying to get like a like a professional 
circuit going, mm-hmm. much like Magic has failed to do. So uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I just uh, like hopping on something new. Okay. What brought it to your attention? Just that it exists and uh, million dollar prize I spend pool? too much money on pbandai.com and they okay. have my email address. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So it's developed by by Bandai Namco. So the same company responsible for developing the Dragon Ball uh, card game, which and One is, Piece. Yeah, and the One Piece. So it's been. Um, has sufficient like background in card game development to where you can really see it sort of like build like the structure to it is sound right and the mm-hmm. quality of their cards is actually pretty great jordan was looking at some of the hollow foils mm-hmm. but bandai namco is also the original developer of the gold that we now see not that has now translated to magic cards like from uh nuka penna they were the first ones to do that on their dragon ball cards okay cool so they they sort of like are groundbreaking in their own way with like the style of cards and how they're printing and the print quality if you haven't played the dragon ball card game go out and buy a pre-con for super cheap you're gonna get the densest most durable cards you've ever held in your like in your hands before Mm. really great card like cardstock quality and one reason i'm excited about kind of getting into like a whole new card game and stuff like that is how fucking cheap it is okay like literally oh you're gonna find a way to spend money on blade oh yeah but they have i I literally looked at the entire card list of what's available on tcg player sort most expensive to least expensive Mm -hmm. most expensive card in the game right now is like $120. Okay. And then it's like two $70 cards, and then it's in the 40 range and down. Mm-hmm. Like, majority of the cards, though, are like $8 or less. Okay. So there are, granted, I don't know metas, I don't know the best decks and stuff like that, but just, there's only been like two sets. The second set just released this week. So there's not been a lot of time for things to get overly costed, mm-hmm. for metas to be found out, to have those decks yet. So excited just kind of like, you know, just like Oathbreaker, you know, kind of get in on the ground floor. It'd be one of those things we can bring to Monday Night Monday Night Magics where we, or like Magic Nights, where we can sit down and then everyone gets their own little instruction booklet and we actually test this card game out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm down. Yeah, because they yeah. have four pre-con decks, so I bought all four of them so we could test them out. Sure. Sounds totally. great. Let's How much were they? 15 bucks a piece? 15 bucks a pop, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. So we can start bringing different card games to the pool. And as, like, honestly, if you're out there listening to this, you should definitely give some of these card games a shot. I've played Digimon. I've played, uh, I mean, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! heavily. I don't understand a lick of the current meta, but uh, great game. Uh, and then, let's see, what else? Play Gate Ruler. Play the Final Fantasy card game. They're all just great. Hearthstone. Yeah, great ways to just stretch your mind. It makes it'll make you a better player in Magic. Like it all compounds. It's not yeah. like you're you know doing different things. It all works in the same version in your brain. That being said, in order to get good at Magic, you gotta get reps in. You know, so it's like rep repetition is like the big thing. And now that Jordan and I are f- actually focusing more in on tournaments, which we're going to, we're going to go to the tournament in Issaquah at Laughing Dragon MTG. Laughing Dragon MTG. They're also the ones who hosted. Oh God! Command, fucking fest. There it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not. I was fest. not used to, ready for two callbacks. Laughing Dragon and Nisqua for all your Magic the Gathering needs. That was sponsor, really clean. Sponsor, Let's sponsor. cut that out. If you want to sponsor us, we are <laughs> good to go. We got a drop right there. Yeah, Boom. yeah. No, they're uh, they're a store that's completely devoted to Magic, which is rare. I think mm-hmm. a lot of like uh, storefronts uh, want to be as diverse as possible, but these guys have just like. All in, all in magic. 
Yeah, so. very, very excited to go. Um, already chatting with some people on Reddit, like kind of uh, are involved in that community and they do mm-hmm. actually a lot of CDH stuff around here. So hopefully that line kind of gets our foot in the door. We can actually get some more games locally uh, for that kind of stuff. We're also looking at two more tournaments coming up this year, going down to Gabby's. Uh, Literally the next weekend. Next Ooh, weekend. Back to back CDH weekend, motherfucker. The May 20th in Issaquah, May 27th. Or no, May 20th in Olympia Gabby's. at Gabby's, May 27th in Issaquah. Yep. And then the boys going on a world tour. Yes, sir. Because then in oh, June, yeah. in June, I'm trying to buy tickets to going down to LA and I'm going to try and play in Cash Cards Unlimited and play for that freaking time twister, yeah, baby. Time oh, twister. Wow. Give me that time twister. Wow. Ritter, you want to jump in on this? Uh, I mean, maybe I'll go to LA and provide emotional support. Yeah. Okay. Sick. Some, something of that nature. Yeah. Sounds boy, great. Our boy Max will be in LA by that time, I believe. Ooh. So let's get the crew together. Yeah, that'd well, be great. Uh, we actually, and shout out to Kyle. We're actually kind of convinced him to maybe come to the Issaquah one because it's close by. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking, uh, sort of like getting him involved with a competitive in a competitive mindset and like mm-hmm. new deck and we just let him choose just like hey like check out these like the deck list database like any of these decks that you're interested in always he, a great place to start he chose jessica timna jessica timna such a sick deck yeah disgusting deck so we're gonna see where that goes yeah very exciting uh i think our last kind of uh our topic for the day is our biggest question yet and is can we consider Magic, much like chess, a sport. If we're calling sport or chess a sport, can we call magic a sport? This is is there room for com- competitive content? This is the question because by definition we cannot, right? Because sport, by definition, is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Physical exertion is the big part. You got to shuffle. It's in the rules. Boom. (laughs) Unless you're Rock Lee and you got weights on your wrist, you know, it's like, or you got to shake weight and you're really just like going at it. Uh, This is one of those things where just the, the formal definition sort of excludes it. But then, like you said, chess has been considered a competitive sport. Right. right? And now there are a few other definitions that you can twist the words around. Like a, if it's a sporting event, to, for something to be uh, a sporting event, you basically have to play a game for sport or do an activity for sport. An activity for sport is not a sport. Correct. So we have a sporting event is magic, like, <laughs> yeah. like a competitive magic scene yeah. or something like that. So uh, I had to look in and like figure out like the, the weird like English on this whole thing. But to do something for sport, you just have to do it for enjoyment. Yeah. So that by definition would be... Uh, yeah, for enjoyment, but also competing. I just think I think this question comes from the bigger topic we've been asking ourselves, especially with like the pro tour not really existing. There's not being pretty much any excitement whatsoever from Magic in that regard, um, and like Wizards and like any official support for it. Um, so, what does like a future of content look like for MTG? Is it just everybody streaming Arena? Because to me, that's boring as fuck. And like I see, you know, a competitive tournament or a competitive format like CDH growing and becoming more popular. We're getting more tournaments, but we're not really seeing people stepping in to like the level of content creation that other games 
with a competitive side bring. For example, like I play Apex Legends as a huge mm-hmm. competitive side. It brings content creators and they make content exclusively around the fact that there's a competitive scene. We just don't have a lot of that right yeah, now. Yeah, I think it's tough because like, you know, Arena has its foothold on how you can like view the game of Magic and because it's a consistent way of presenting how the game is played um, versus like being on spell table, being on, you know, using other services like that. You know, the flow of the game is a little bit different when you're doing it like hands-on with cards versus like doing it in a program. So like if you're talking about League of Legends or Apex or like Titan or, or any of that shit, um, there's a consistent way that the game is presented that then makes it easier as an audience member to view the game, right? Because you're getting a, some, a baseline similar product. You get that time. consistency. And so with Magic, that's trapped by Arena because Arena is the only consistent way of presenting the game. Right. It, it, you're 100% correct. Yeah. And like esports, like that also has a very strict definition of it being a video game, which is why uh, Wizards of the Coast has put so much effort into Arena because it does now categorize itself as a video game that you could potentially, it could potentially become an eSport, like the same way that Hearthstone yeah. was. And I mean, that's how they have all of their, like, not all of, but that's where a lot of the qualifiers come from now is Arena these days. I mean, a, a lot, Pro Tour is gone, right? And, and so the competitive competitive sense of Magic the Gathering as a game, as it's supported by Wizards of the Coast, is almost 100% on uh, Arena right now. Mm-hmm. Like, everything else is run by in- individual shops, like Laughing Dragon and Isqua or Gabby's and Olympia. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard for them to have, you know, a structure, a content exactly. structure in place. Exactly. For sure. And, like, we see it with some of the bigger, like, CDH tournaments. They're getting there, and they're getting better every time. Like, um eminence gaming like they have commentators on all their live streams now and they're live streaming all their games which is fucking awesome but i don't know it's still not quite there you know it's still it's just it's such a grassroots campaign thing and there's not additional content creators kind of like grabbing onto it and i think that's what we need to see is just kind of that next level of like quality content being put out around the atmosphere and we are seeing like comedian you know like these guys that are tournament grinders who also make decks like doing tournament recaps and talking about the stuff like that they see there um and that's great but it's just it's so few and far between still yeah there's just not that massive high quality content where yeah. it makes sense for there to be an audience for right it. and like i i hope it's just you know it's a something like you know you may they make it they will come kind of thing because i hope that was something we can get into as we start doing more cdh and commentating and stuff and uh with other people like comedian creating content hopefully we create the base for it yeah i think for something to be a sporting event there also has to be an atmosphere around it right like like you said commentating and stuff like that we've seen that with a few tournaments like the mox masters where like dylan and cam from play to win will sit in and, and comment but there's there's some time where the game isn't moving fast enough to where they can really like be devoted to the commentating hold, part hold, of it. hold the attention right where you- and also like in Sorry, not to cut you off, but like, you know, I'm thinking about your experience at the last tournament at Gabby's where you got kind of shushed from the audience. Like, you know, there's it's hard to be you have to just be a silent audience member to to watch these games, kind of. And that's not an atmosphere 
that is conducive to, to building an audience. You know? Right, because like you can you can watch a basketball game and there are people shouting like yeah. at the players all the time. You know, and it's like if like that's one thing where like if you have four players sitting in an arena and there's like an audience around them and you're sort of like watching it, and you can mm-hmm. see on the jumbotron like mm-hmm. the, the board state or whatever. Just imagine like someone just like screaming out, you know, like tutor for your you know tutor for your win con. Yeah, e- even the animations in arena are kind of like booty. They're not whatever they're yeah. schmoop is is that what you want to dude say? yeah they're fucking total schmoop. Schmoop. yeah total schmoopy bro um like you know they're not that exciting like so how do you make it exciting to watch this game right right and that's like the big thing without intricately intricately uh knowing the rules and like the interactions going on in the meta like you know that's what's yeah. interesting as a player at the table totally and, and i think the right one like where you said you know commander is a long game and like you know, in CDH, you know, someone's turn could take 35, 40 minutes. So it's like you need to have quality content creators that can riff and and vamp for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. But I also think what we don't see is like we don't really have, you know, those in-game breakdowns. Like actual sports commentators have a lot more to talk about than we do. Mm-hmm. Like they run out of things to talk about in these games because they don't have stats down. They don't have the deck list in front of them. Like there's so much more that like a organized event, you know, pairing the tournament plus the content creators or like a tournament organizer that's thinking about the creation of the content of the event. If that had been better organized, I think you'd be able to get better content. Mm -hmm. Right. Like uh, when cash cards did their first tournament, Cassius Marsh was walking around with his phone and like sort of, or with a camera and like just sort of like recording and running around and being like, dude, what a play, you know, like stuff like that. I think if you were to sit down and talk to him, I think he would want the same thing that we're talking about is like a way to present the game where it becomes more of a sport because he is an athlete. He's lived the sport life his entire time or like his entire life. Like he like I think he would like that's something that he wants. And how do you achieve that? I think you have to put you actually have to put like rails on the whole thing. You have to like have the the guys, you know, when you're watching golf and you see in the background the guys with the pill like the things they're holding up that say quiet please quiet please and then they actually eject people who are not quiet at those moments right and then also like uh hecklers and stuff like that you got to be able to like have strict enforcement on that if you're here to spectate the game you are doing it same with chess you know if you want to spectate chess you can't really speak out on those like in those moments you have to let the players think through their go through their progressions think through their moments and make the right play so there is a little bit of like atmosphere and culture you have to like set a foundation for. I agree. And once you can do that, then you can actually have like commentators sitting in talking about it. And it's actually an entertaining watch if you were to do it on uh, YouTube Live. And mm-hmm. I was thinking the next really great concept in making this like poppy snappy, like the MLB, including introducing the pitch count now or like the pitch clock on it where like it pushes the progression of the game uh and how arena has like the sand the hourglass that trickles down you have to almost give players a chess clock like Mm -hmm. you are allowed this every player is allowed this much time in the game let's say it's what 40 minutes Mm -hmm. or whatever versus you know an actual game clock or like round clock that incentivizes the tempo player to just draw shit out right yeah exactly and there's also there's been recent changes in the cdh world with that like they used to allow turns right like the last tournament we did there was what three turns after call yep yep so after time is called there could be another 45 minutes to an hour you know left in that and that just left for games going so long 
and the day going so long. But now I'm seeing there's like a big trend of just no fucking turns. It's like you you get the call and like once it's in, last person finish that turn, that's it. Everybody pick it up. Yep, draw. And like, like that's fine. Win. I'd rather do that than just draw an hour later. Right. Yeah. So I guess like giving that clock, if someone takes a really long turn, they like trying to set things up and they search through it and they end up getting stifled, like sorry, like hit your hit your clock, save your time. Like if you're taking a long time thinking through a progression or whatever, you're better off just knocking that like knocking that peg and just stopping the clock for yourself so you can get more time later. That's also has to be considered and it also allows the like uh, skill cap to be much higher because for someone to have that level of understanding of their deck to be able to make those decisions so quick to be able to like use the allotted time responsibly to get a win i think just leads to having more of that like professional athlete mentality where you're like now people who are exceptional at the game and have a mind for it are truly going to stand out versus like the people now who we see at tables who we we believe are good players but they're just playing Clark and Sakashima and they're just rolling dice for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and getting you know an infinite amount of Jessica's wills huge shade on Clark Sakashima players out there apparently yeah go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be really good to be really good at the deck but yeah I see what you're saying yeah so there are there are players who get away with things um due to like I guess fatigue, that's also part of it. You know, like you get fatigued throughout the tournament. It's really going to show who is like truly the greatest player. Yeah, I think that's part of what it speaks to. It's such a sloppy system inherently, the game, the four-player game, that it's just very hard to make competitive for one. And then it's very hard to make content about how competitive the game is. How about this? I'll go out and I'll buy two chess clocks. And next time we play on a Monday, not this week because... We're a little too late for that. But let's have two chess clocks going, right? Set it in a lot amount of time. And then if you run out of that time, guess what? You're done. There's got to be, yeah, there's got to be a thing about like, what about the arena timer? Because then you get like two timeouts or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, you get uh, two chances, I think. Yeah, there almost has to be a referee involved too. So like you have mm-hmm. someone who, on a judge, like to make the judgment call to be like, hey, there's outside circumstances that can't allow the clock to run in this moment. Like right, refs being like 15 seconds on the clock. Back yeah, on yeah, or a, like a, a referee timeout. Like yeah, yep, yeah, interesting. I mean, there's I think there's always there's going to be a lot more development in the competitive scene on how to like button up all these processes. So you know, it's just interesting kind of seeing yeah. what people are trying right and now. And when people interact with you, how does that affect your play clock? Mm. Yeah, for so. sure. All right. I think magic has grounds to become a sport. That's why I wanted to talk about it today. Okay. I feel like well, it does. Let's do it. If I come down to LA, maybe I'll do like interviews and shit. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Get you out to all of them if you want. Uh, we just, yeah. Started showing up to these CDH events. Start growing the uh, the West Coast scene here. Yeah. We are the mock stars. <laughs> Goddamn right we are. We are the mock stars. And we'll see you at your nearest... Issaquah Olympian or potentially LA tournament I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode I hope you're fucking ready and if you want to follow the Mock Stars podcast and support the show do so by subscribing uh, on any podcast platform where you can find us be sure to search Mock Stars MTG when you're looking for us uh, in the search bar and you can also follow us on YouTube subscribe like and hit that bell for notifications uh, to help support the show it goes a long way helps with the algorithm and every subscription counts the closer we get to a thousand which we're at 28 right now 28,000 28 crushing it wow 28 100 
<laughs> you know, like share with your friends. The every subscriber counts. It helps get get us closer to monetization, so that we can continue to do this and continue to put out quality content for listeners like yourself. And we can get Ritter down to LA for doing interviews and to turn magic into what, a sport. What is that again? Uh, coming early end of June. End of June. I'll get you the dates. End of June. Yeah, let's do it. I love LA. Let's go. <laughs> Ritter loves LA. And Hell yeah. I love tacos, so let's go to LA. Fuck yeah. First. All right. It's Bye. Magic Day. Let's go. Bye. Bye-bye.